and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is day 25 here in the Zen Room. This is episode 69. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the gluten-free Tommy Gibbons. Hello, bitches. How are you today, Tommy? I have to correct a mistake I made in a podcast. Oh? I think two weeks ago. What was the mistake? We were talking about Peking duck. Mm-hmm. I think that was last week. Yeah, and, actually, it was two weeks ago. You're right. And um, I told a duck joke. Yes. But I told the, the joke really wrong. <laughs> It was still funny. Like, I told only half of the joke. Okay. So, when he goes and gets the duck, yes. and he, she sticks her finger in the duck's ass and says, right. this duck is not a Long Island duck. Yeah. After she says that, she's supposed to say, this duck is from, and then another, like, this okay. duck is from Connecticut, and this duck is from Peking. Right. This duck, which is how it related back to the Peking story, but I never told the second half of that joke, where she tells the kid where the duck is from. Right. And then when he turns over, bends over. But then you says, got to the punchline part. Yeah, which would have been still funnier. Be, was still yeah. funny. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I was like, I got to fix that somehow. Oh, so so there it is. Oh, thank you for that correction. Okay. It's very important. You got to, yeah, you got to be uh, oh, transparent with the people. Exactly. How was your weekend? I worked. Busy at the theater? Busy. Well, actually, it was kind of slow. Really? It's a tough sell. The, um, well, it's a new show. It's an uh, original script. Kind of coming from page. Studio Theater. The middle of the winter. Well, we'll be coming on Friday to come see. Oh, you're coming Friday? Stephen and I, and I think John Steele and oh, Sheila are coming. I think you'll like it. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, yeah, it's a topic take. I'm interested yeah. in, you know? The 1939 War of the Worlds broadcast. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, uh, he did a good job. Good. I'm looking forward to seeing that. So what's new with you? <sighs> Nothing. My show ended. The Pavilion ended on Saturday. Yeah. Had a sold-out house for our closing performance. Very nice. Yeah. I'm going to miss this show. It was an unexpected pleasure. Because like I said, I hadn't picked this show. I knew nothing about it. And then once I saw it on opening night, I was like, wow, this is the show I just directed. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a revelation to me in a way, seeing it. Yeah. It really was. And my cast, they just did phenomenal work with this. No, it's three actors, one actor playing 17 roles, and nothing but the highest compliments from the audience on, the, on this show. Nice. They really, really liked this. I, I was thrilled. Good for you and the South Shore Theater experience. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, should we move on to our very first segment then? Uh, sure. Yes, it's time once again for a little heavy petting. You remember, you may remember a few episodes ago. We this is the guy who shot the dog. The dog who shot the guy. Yeah, remember we talked it about him? Again. It happened again! Yeah. I couldn't believe it! Yeah. This time it happened in Wichita, Kansas. The victim, Joseph Austin Smith of Wichita, was sitting in the front passenger seat. There was a rifle in the back seat as well as some hunting gear. And, and the dog. dog stepped on the rifle causing it to fire around and struck him. And killed him. And killed him, yes. He died at the scene. I didn't think such a thing would be possible within a year's time. And two people would be killed by dogs it's like stepping on their guns. A month's time, two months' time. I mean, yeah, maybe it is like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I see it wasn't that long ago we reported the first story yeah, of this. It, 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 you know, maybe the, the, the little fuckers are fighting back. Maybe they just, like, had <laughs> enough of this shit. <laughs> Go get your own fucking duck. You shot it out of the sky. Go get it yourself. Right? But I, I was I was amazed by that. But it's like fucking hunters. Unload your gun if you're putting it in the back seat with your up with an animal, for God's sake. When what is wrong with you people? When you're not using it, you should turn it off. Exactly. It's like everything else. Right? 
No. And that includes taking out the live ammo. You know, at least the dog didn't shoot somebody else. It could it could have been a total stranger or whatever. Instead, it just shot its owner. So you got to be careful with guns around dogs. Yeah, obviously. Because those bitches will use them. They they they, <laughs> will, they will shoot you as soon as look at you. Canine gunslingers. I'm telling you, <laughs> canine criminals. Yes. Yeah, so that was a story. I have another story yeah. of a dog shooting a man shooting again. A man. Unreal. And then I actually came across, being that it's appropriate for this time of year, especially on a cold, wet, rainy night like tonight This is, is an awful night. Just an article basically about walking the dogs in cold weather. Oh, what do they tell us? Well, it says that pets are very sensitive to the wind chill factor, which means, you know, the temperature outside might be okay, but if the wind's picking up, that can make it worse. So if that's the situation, they say you should limit your dog's walk time. Instead of doing like 30 minutes, do half of that. Do like 15 minutes at a time. They also said make sure that when you bring your dog in, thoroughly dry off your pet because the coat will make them prone to the cold and can even lead to frostbite. Oh. I never heard of a dog having frostbite, but I guess it's possible. And then you see pictures of like the Bernese Mountain Dogs and and Huskies and laying in the snow, covered in the snow. Yeah. They they won't... I guess it's the dog. Yeah. uh, I, I know... With Pickering and Louie, they both had hair, and so the hair gets long. And I know that when it's windy, it blows the hair and exposes some of the skin. Of course. Whereas a dog with fur, I don't think, has that problem. No, I, w- I wouldn't think so either. But yeah, yeah. Some of them love it, and some of them just can't deal with it. No. And they say that smaller dogs, of course, get colder quicker than larger dogs. They also bake faster. <laughs> of course they get faster. They're smaller. They're, oh. But they also say that even dogs that are like bred to be out in the cold weather shouldn't be out for more than 30 minutes at a time. Yeah, you tell that to a husky. I know, right? Oh, any woman who owns a husky trying to get that bitch in from the snow. Yep. Also, pets that have a lot of health conditions cannot tolerate the cold. Okay. So you got to be careful with that, I guess, especially with older dogs. They move them to Arizona where it's a dry heat. Right. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And then lastly, be careful with your dog around ice melt. That can hurt the dog's paws. Yeah, that's a big deal. And especially even on this, when you're walking your dog in the street, too, the ice melt that they use on the street. It's the same thing. you got to be careful. Yeah. So if, for yourself, you, you can find a proper ice melt at your local pet store. That'll be pet safe. Right, from the door to the car. Right, but otherwise, if you're taking your dog for walks elsewhere, there where there might be a, a, ice melt, you might want to put like some boots on the paws or whatever. See, you know? I knew you were going to go there. I fucking <laughs> knew you were going to go to the boots on the paws. Some dogs do wear them. We try to get Abigail to, we had no luck. Some, some dogs wear them. Yes. Yeah. Some dogs wear them. But n- not my Abigail. There is nothing funnier than watching a dog the first time you put something on its foot. On its, the way they walk. And yeah. They walk with trying to kick it's it like off. They, <laughs> they remind me of a horse the way they're yeah, walking. Yeah, big stupid steps. Trying to knock the shit off its foot. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Louie would go for that. No, Louie doesn't go for much. Actually, he's pretty uh, set in his ways, little bastard that he is. Aww, he is, man. He like he 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 growls at us if we get too close to his spot. He growls at my sister all the time. Really? Yeah. He only growls at us when, or actually, she only growls at us when she is like guarding her toy at nighttime, uh-huh. or if she just got like, got a treat or whatever. If you come near, come near. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's my treat. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but he's guarding his spot under the bed. Yep, cool. And then lastly, for Heavy Petty, we return once again to our Compendium of Canines, our Dictionary of Dogs. We got a Q this week. No, there is no letter Q dogs, believe it or not. I, I looked. I find that hard to believe. I, I couldn't believe it either, but I could not find any dogs starting with the letter Q. So we go to R? We go to the letter R. And I'm thinking R-A... Yes, um, you're on the right track, yeah. but I'm not sure you're going to get this dog. Well, of course I'm not, because you're going to pick a dog that there's only 70 of in the world. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I know. Well, what's the dog? It's called the Raffero do Alentejo. Yeah, see? It's a Portuguese breed of livestock guard dog that originated in the Alentejo region of Portugal. Uh, let me see. And this is a picture of it. Oh, dear. Right? Oh, dear. It can be about 26 to 29 inches high, weigh between 100 and 130 pounds. It has a dense and straight coat, but it can be of short or medium length. Colors are yellow, fawn, brindle, wolf gray, or black, but always with white markings. Oh, there's a cute one. That's a cute one. That's a cute one. Little puppy, it looks like. But they're ass. They're big. Look at that. Look at the... Yeah, it's got a big butt. I mean, look at the legs. Even, yeah. The legs up. The upper legs are just huge. What did it, like, herd? What does it like? Livestock, so livestock. I'm assuming sheep, cows, cows, you know, things of that like that. But it's a big dog. That's a big dog, right? And an ass. Well, like I say, a big ass go with its big legs. And that old, well, but you know, even here too, yeah, it's got yeah. it. It's the, clearly the dog is designed to have a its ass raised high. Yeah, right. The the old the old English was like that too. His ass was high. But I love the face. I love the coloring. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful dog. Are they nice? They're considered to be friendly dogs, yeah. Of course, if you own one, you, you're going to probably need a large yard yeah, for it. Yeah. <laughs> Although he looks like he could be a couch potato. Uh, yeah, right? But, uh, oh, look at that yeah, face. Oh, he's adorable. Nice. What's it called? The Raffero du Alentejo. Raffero. F-R-A-F. E-I-R-O. Did you do any research as to what any of those words mean? No, I did not. Raffero? Uh, 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 the Alentejo is the name of the region in Portugal where it comes from. Okay. But I, I couldn't find what Raffero means. Raffero. And Tunisia? Do Alentejo. Do Alentejo. I, I guess do would probably mean of, of in Portuguese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Maybe, maybe the first word, Rachicella. What's it, the first word? Raffero. Could that mean dog? Maybe. I don't know. Should we, should we find out? Uh, 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 yeah, I think it's interesting. <laughs> Let's find out. Dog of Antrelus. Antrelusia. Raffero. Translation in English. Mongrel. 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 Mongrel of... <laughs> the Mongrel of Huh. Mongrel. I would hardly call that dog a mongrel. I like that word. I like mongrel. It's, it's a good start, word, though. Yeah. But yeah, it's not really, it's not a really a mongrel. No, well, you know, it's <laughs> just the word and it, you know, should find its way back into general use. Yes, it should. I know plenty of them. <laughs> we now move on to our next segment. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time once again for today's birthdays. Today's. Today. Today's. Today's. Oh. And we have two birthdays and they're both alive. Oh, no. In fact, one of them I actually got in touch with. Okay. I'll tell this one you you won't know his name, but I'll tell you all about him. His name is Aaron Frick. He was born today in uh, on 1962, so he's 
January 62, baby like me. Back in 1980, he came out of the closet and he began seeing another male student and he decided to bring him as his date to the prom. But the principal denied the request, citing the real and present threat of physical harm to Frick, his male escort, and to others. He also wrote that the adverse effect among Frick's classmates, the school, and the town of Cumberland, which is certain to follow approval of such a request for overt homosexual interaction at a class function, was sufficient ground for rejecting the request. Okay. So he brought a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court in the District of Rhode Island, seeking a preliminary injunction that would allow him to attend a dance. And the court decided that even a legitimate interest in school discipline does not outweigh a student's right to peacefully express his views in an appropriate time, place, and manner. The court said that threats of physical violence against Frick and his date gave homophobic students an unconstitutional heckler's veto that would allow them to decide through prohibited and violent methods what speech will be heard. Thank you. So it not only order the school to allow them to attend as a couple, but also to provide enough security to ensure their, their safety. safety right. Yep. So on May 31st, 1980, he and his date showed up for the prom. They both wore tuxedos. The principal had addressed a senior class earlier in the day and promised that any harassment of the couple would be met with any with very stern measures. Okay. And the school provided six rather than two police officers for security. And the students said that they were taunted while they were dancing together, but overall, they got through the night. Okay. But this was one of the first successful victories for an LGBT issue involving young people, and it's cited almost every year in numerous cases surrounding the rights of students to bring same-sex dates to school functions. That's right. So Frick later on wrote a book of his experience called Reflections of a Rock Lobster, a story about growing up gay. Okay. Which sounds, I'm assuming he's a B-52s fan. <laughs> he then wrote a book with his father called Sudden Strangers, a story of a gay son and his father, about their relationship and his father's coming to term with his okay. son's homosexuality. Frick now lives in San Francisco with his husband. Okay. And I discovered he was on Facebook. Okay. As you know me, I love to track these kind of people down and so contact you them. So sent him a message. So I sent him a message saying, hi. I said I noted it was, I run a podcast. I noted it was your birthday coming up this week. We'll be discussing your birthday and your story on this, on this week's show. Uh, I said, if you'd like to make a comment that I can address to my listeners, please do so. And he just wrote back, you know, basically saying, thank you. I'm honored that you're discussing my story. And he wished me a happy birthday as well. <laughs> That's very nice of him. That was very nice of him, I thought. He didn't have to do that. No, he did not. Some weirdo stranger from back east (laughs) sliding into my DMs talking about, want to say something? (laughs) Yeah, no, I I don't blame him. So anyway, to Aaron Frick, we say... Happy birthday! Happy birthday. I'm really sorry about that. About what? The happy birthday. (laughs) Why? Because it's so annoying. It's just, it's just. What would you like instead? I uh, um. <coughs> ne- never mind you. Ne- you never mind that. Never mind don't, that. Don't, yeah, don't, you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a whole bunch of kids screaming okay. top of their voices. Happy birthday! <laughs> Let's see if you can guess who this other birthday celebrant is. Okay, a celebrant. He was born today. In 1978, in the Ukraine, into a Jewish family. After obtaining a law degree, he pursued a career in comedy and acting and co-founded a production company. He has starred in several romantic comedy films, 
and recorded the voice of Paddington Bear in the Ukrainian dubbing of Paddington, the movie. The movie, yeah, yeah. He also played the president of Ukraine in a TV show from 2015 to 2019 called Servant of the People. Oh, this is this is Volodymyr Vinchenko. <laughs> yeah, you're close. Volodymyr Zelensky. Zelensky. Yes, elected president of the Ukraine in 2019. Yeah, his birthday is today? His birthday is today. He is, I guess, 45 years old, I guess. 1973. Yep. He was named the Time Person of the Year for 2022, and opinion polls in Ukraine have you ranked him as Ukraine's greatest president. He's been married since 2003 and has a son and daughter. Okay. Yeah. See, I never knew he had a law degree. I only heard about his comedy acting. career yeah. and, you know, his acting Never knew he had a law degree. He's right. like, yeah, he tried to keep that hidden. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, times is tough for Volodymyr. Yes, they Volodymyr. are. Volodymyr. Well, he seems to be doing a great job as president over there. I bet he's during a war. During a war, you know, he's an invasion. It's not even like they weren't prepared. And no, of course prepared. not. Definitely not. Just that the other side is bumbling fools. Thank God. Thank God is right. You know, thank God. But he's been, as far as I can see, he's been. A great leader for this country during this whole time, you know? Yeah, he's got balls of steel. Man. Yeah, he's yes, just, he does, right? He don't, he's just... Yeah, I give him a lot of credit so for what he's I. accomplished so far, you know? So to Vladimir Zelensky, we say... Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Vlad. <laughs> Vlad. Vlad. <laughs> it's now time for our next segment. <laughs> Oh, we got three this time. Three, three of them. And one of them is was right here on Long Island. Oh. I believe, died. anyway. I believe he lived in New York, but I don't Nobody know. dies on Long Island. Well, this is a person you may have heard of. Okay. Was, uh, his name is Sal Piero. Okay. He was born June 6, 1950. He was an American actor who was the president of the Rocky Horror Picture Show Fan Club. Oh, God. A position he held from 1977 until his death. He was part of the original Waverly Theater audience where Rocky Horror opened. He appeared as himself in the film Fame when they go to see Rocky Horror okay. at the 8th Street Playhouse. He also appeared as in a cameo role as a man using a payphone in the Rocky Horror so-called sequel called Shot Treatment. Okay. And he also cameoed as the photographer in the 2016 television remake of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. He wrote two books about the whole cult following called Creatures of the Night and Creatures of the Night 2. He also played competitive tournament chess and Scrabble. He was also well-known in Cherry Grove, right here on Long Island. He was the manager of the Ice Palace and Grove Hotel for 23 years. Oh, God as well as executive producer of the Miss Fire Island pageant, Mr. Fire Island Leather, and the Miss Grove Hotel Contest. Wow. He died on January 22nd at age 72. Oh. That's okay. quite a life. Pretty awesome. Did you did you know Mr. Piero? No, I did not. I knew of him. I saw him on the island occasionally. No, no never saw him. Never nope. met him. Nope. Now he you know come up and kick me, except he's dead. <laughs> except he's dead. <laughs> okay. So, R.I.P. Sal Piero. Sal Piero. Yep. Next up is another is another actor who just recently died. His name is Everett Quinton. He was the partner, uh, I should say, lover of Charles Ludlum, and together they co-founded 
the Ridiculous Theatrical Company. Okay. When Ludlum died in 1987, he, uh, Quentin succeeded him as artistic director, and he held that post for ten years. Their most famous show together was The Mystery of Irma Vet, which Ludlum wrote, and he and Quentin played all the roles in the show. Back, okay. This was back in 1984. The company closed in 1997 due to high rents and losing of actors due to AIDS. Where were they? Where they, where they were. They were downtown, Lower Manhattan. Lower Manhattan. In the village area, okay. yeah. But Quentin kept on performing elsewhere. He performed in various revivals of Ridiculous Theater productions. He also had film and TV credits, including Natural Born Killers. And he also appeared in last year's film, Bros. Rose. Bros. Oh, bros. Bros. Right, right, right. That was the movie that the, the, the straights killed. <laughs> well, that he kind of killed himself. Well, yeah, 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 but he blamed it on the straights. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's the story of Everett Quinton. Uh, Age Everett... 71, he died. I like that name. Everett Quinton. Everett Quinton. Very <laughs> sophisticated sound. EQ. EQ. That's awesome. Yep. And then lastly, but I think he died the earliest of the three, he died on January 18th. He was born August 1941. He was an American singer, guitarist, and songwriter. He joined the Birds in 1964. Oh, this is, uh, he was later thrown out of the group for his outspokenness. Yeah, well, people don't like it when you say what you got yep. to say. In 1968, he formed the group Crosby, Stills, and Nash yeah. with Stephen Stills and Graham Nash. Yeah. Talking about, of course, David Crosby. David Cro I said that. After the release of their debut album, Crosby, Stills, and Nash won the Grammy Award for Best New Artist in 1969. Wow. Neil Young later joined the group, and their second concert, you know where it was at? Madison Square Garden. Woodstock. Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're a new group, and your second show is in front of half a million people outside. Yeah, but, you know, you're, you're talking about people who know what they're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like Neil Young. Yeah, it's not like they were just like newbies into the music scene, the you know? But still, that must have been pretty overwhelming. Well, the way to cement the relationship. Right, that's or for sure. destroy one. Crosby later released seven solo albums from 1971's If I Can Only Re Remember My Name, which I own. It's really good. Okay. His last album was in 2014. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice, once for his work with the Birds and once with uh, for Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Five albums to which he contributed are included in Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time, three with the Birds and two with Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. He had four children, one with his wife that he married in 1987. You gotta have one with the wife. Right? That's just fair. In Ju January of 2000, Melissa Etheridge announced that Crosby was the sperm donor of two children with her partner, Julie Cipher, by means of artificial insemination. Oh, dear. That was a big thing when that happened. I didn't. I heard nothing about this. Really? How did, how did, he, how did she know it was his sperm? Did he donate it directly to them? Yeah, he she they asked him fill this cup and he did it yes he did and then how old are the kids that she comes out now and well says? i don't know how old the kids are but one of them died in 2020 from causes related to opioid addiction at the age of 21 oh that's sad yeah that all right, really so, so wait, did he consent to being outed like that? Who, Crosby? David Crosby. Oh, yeah, this was news. When we, it, yeah, everyone, it wasn't like but he, he never wasn't came like, out against bitch, it. Bitch, shut up. I no. didn't say you could do that. No, nope, he never never complained or anything like that. Okay, Melissa Etheridge. Etheridge. Yep, Melissa Etheridge. Etheridge. Yeah. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Also, Crosby was a recipient of a highly publicized liver transplant in 1994. Wow. A lot of people are upset, like, what's this old stoner hippie getting a liver for? There are plenty of other worthy people that are yeah, no yeah, liver yeah, transplant. But, but he had the money. 
Uh, well, actually, he was paid for by Phil Collins. Oh, well, the money was there. He, he, <laughs> you know, he self-funded. He went out to Phil, do me a favor, buy me a liver. Right. And he did. Buy me a liver. Buy and me a liver. <laughs> I'd buy a liver over you. <laughs> anyway, Crosby remained active. He was planning on a new tour and a, on a new album until the day he died at the age of 81. What was he? What, uh, what? What killed him? Uh, they didn't say. Just being eighty-one. Yep, just being eighty-one. All right. So I'm gonna play you a little bit of a clip of a song that he wrote with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Let's see if you recognize this. Almost cut my hair. It happened just the other day. That was on the Deja Vu album, oh, 1970. Of course. A song called Almost Cut My Hair. Almost Cut My Hair. Yes. They, t- they tell you to write what you know. <laughs> Clearly, it can be as mundane as the need for a haircut. <laughs> yes. He didn't cut his hair, though, did he? God no, he, he had it quite long all okay. his career. Okay. No, in the, in the song. No, he didn't. I don't believe he did. I almost cut my hair seems to <laughs> indicate that he didn't. That he didn't. Oh, but almost. <laughs> but anyway, nope, don't know. Never heard of it. Never. Listened. I can't. You've never heard that song before. No, I, I don't know the band very well at all. Oh my god, you're missing out some great music then. I thought Graham Nash was part of um, uh, Monty Python. No, 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 that's Graham Chapman who was okay. part of Monty Python. <laughs> um, David Crosby, I, you know, he could again. He could kick me. Well, he's dead. He can't. <laughs> But I'm shaming you for not knowing their music. I can't believe it. And who's Stills? Steven Stills. And what does he do? Like, he, where is he's he, a member was, of the group also. Is he, where is he now? What's he doing? He's still alive, still performs as far as I know him and Graham Nash. Right. His probably most famous solo song was Love the One You're With. Okay, I know that one. Yep, I figured you knew with that one at least. That's how I lived through the 90s. <laughs> Yeah, didn't we all? Yeah. Didn't we all? It was so easy. Yes, it was. And so were we. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's time to move on to our next segment. Today in history. Patsy and the Coconuts. And today in history, on January 25th, 1995, we almost face nuclear Armageddon. In 1995? Yep. Against who? Well, what happened was there was a rocket launch in no from Norway. And Norway? From Nor- this was in Norway. Norway has rockets? Yes, they do have rockets. Why? Well, same reason other countries have rockets, for defense purposes, for military purposes. Who's invading Norway? Uh, uh, actually, Russia has in the past. Norway. In Sweden and Denmark. There's a whole history of fighting up there. They're the only peaceful white people on the whole planet. <laughs> I mean. 
Well, maybe now they are, but back then, a couple hundred years ago? Well, not when they were Vikings. No. But anyway, Norway launched this missile, and Russia thought it was a U.S. Trident missile. Okay, because they're the same. <laughs> I don't know how they made the mistake or whatever. I mean, when you got a guy standing on the tallest building with binoculars looking, if that's your head to find. Yeah, I don't know how they did it. Because this was, like I said, it was a research rocket and they mistook it for a missile. But thankfully, they were able to clear it up before they launched any kind of nuclear nuclear attack. But that, that's how close we came to nuclear Armageddon. Well, Norway came. <laughs> You know, Norway, Finland, Sweden. So from now on, mark your rockets so people can recognize them. I mean, <laughs> clearly we've been afraid of a, of a Russian military that never was, or maybe was in the 1960s, but if they're still using the same fucking equipment. Yeah. How is it a year later and they still have not reached the goal of the invasion of Ukraine, the yes. annexation of Ukraine? Yep. This is the, the most feared country, military, government in the world, except mm. maybe China. Yeah. Yeah, except maybe for China. And they can't invade Ukraine. Yeah, it's a sad reflection on the state of Russia. New York State troopers probably invade fucking Ukraine. <laughs> Russian army. So I'm not But we would stop for blintzes. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's silly not to, really. Go through Poland, get yourself some sausage, <laughs> some blintzes. Probably have that shit shipped home, though. <laughs> probably. Yeah, you're not going to carry it in a bag. <laughs> Pull these pierogies as you invade. <laughs> we now move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you play Tillman? What day is it? I'm confused, you say. Yes, time once again for what day is it? All right, do I guess? You can guess. I like to guess. I like I like my three guesses. Okay. In this one. Do you want any kind of a clue? Uh, no. Okay. No. Today is um, International... Eyeglasses Day. <laughs> no. Okay. Today is the National Day of uh, uh, Baking. No. No, no baking? <laughs> no. Okay, so then it is uh, the International Day of... International Day of the Shoehorn. <laughs> no, but if there isn't one, there should be. The Shoehorn? <laughs> shoehorn it's Day. A, it's an important device. Yes, it is. It's very helpful. But no, it's not that today. Today is... National This State Day. This state? Let's see if you can guess it. It's the third most oh. popular state in the country. Florida. Florida is correct. Do you know the state capital of Florida? Tallahassee. Tallahassee. Do you know what is the oldest established city in the United States that is based in Florida? Uh, the, the oldest city? Yes. In the United States? Yes, it was established in 1565. By it's the... in Florida? It's in Florida. Oh, God. I'm so I'm shocked by this. Uh, let's say uh, Naples. Nope. St. Augustine. St. Augustine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you remember, Juan Ponce de Leon explored Florida for the Fountain of Youth. Yeah, did he find it? No, he did not. No, he didn't. Died old and ugly. <laughs> It was admitted as the 27th state on March 3rd of 1845, and then seceded from, seceded from the Union on January 10th, 1861, Okay, and then readmitted to the Union in 1868. It has the fourth largest economy of the uh, United States, and the 16th largest economy in the world, which I thought was pretty impressive. Well, they stayed, you know, they got good weather. They can grow yeah, Great weather, visit, tourism, it's yeah. It's, it's just, got beaches. Right? You know. Yeah, I can see that. That's um, amazing. Yeah. I think the sun Friday brains, though. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's, well, we're going to get into more of that later, because i got a lot of Florida stuff here today. But today is National Florida, Florida Day. Day, yes. Okay. Okay, so happy that's National Florida Day. Good to know. Are there any special celebrations going on in Florida? Not that I'm aware of. I haven't heard of any. Does every state any. have its own day? Yes, it does. It I don't does. know how they decide which days or how they get these days, but yes, each state has its own day. Okay. So today's National Florida Day. National Florida today. Yep. All right. We now move on to our next segment, which is Turn Your Head and Cough. <coughs> Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded a little heartier than usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kept it in my chest. But there was a new study that came out that basically they strapped activity monitors to the thighs of nearly 4,500 people in the United Kingdom and tracked their movements for 24 hours for seven days. And they examined how the people's behavior affected their short-term memory, problem-solving, and processing skills. And they found that people spent even small amounts of time in more vigorous activities, even as for a little as six to nine minutes, had higher cognition scores compared to people who engage mostly in sitting, sleeping, or less vigorous activities. Okay. The study was published in the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health on Monday and found that just under 10 minutes of moderate to vigorous exertion each day improved the participants' working memory, but it had its biggest impact on executive processes such as planning and organization. All right. So that's pretty impressive, right? Right, right, right. But the study also found that spending more time sleeping sitting or engaged in mild movement uh, was linked to a negative impact on the brain. They found that cognition declined 1-2% to uh, after replacing an equivalent portion of physical activity with 8 minutes of sedentary behavior. But they said they defined moderate physical activity as brisk walking, bicycling, running up and down the stairs. More vigorous activity would be aerobic dancing, jogging, running, swimming, biking, uphill. Do you engage in any of those activities? No. No, not even brisk walking? I walk the dog. Me too. That's what I, I do. I go up and down a flight of stairs. Okay. I work on my feet. You work on your feet. Behind the bar. Oh, okay. I thought you were like, what did you do to your feet that you're no, working on them? No. <laughs> I, uh, I lift some shit. I move shit around. No. I, 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 I spent... 20 years as a dancer. So okay. That's probably more important in your golden years doesn't that you matter. continue that, to exercise. That debt has been paid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fundamentally very lazy. Yeah, well, so am I, but I still get out and about. We yeah. have our dance classes we go to. Yeah, you we go walk to dance dog class. every 30, you know, 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you do a lot. Yeah, gotta keep active. Yeah, not me. <laughs> Lazy. I don't care. We now move into our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. <laughs> and this week we go to Arkansas. Oh, they're gonna ban. They're gonna ban drag shows. Yes, exactly. Altogether. Ban them outright. Ban on drag shows. The state senate approved a bill that would classify drag shows as adult-oriented businesses and limited the ven- and limit the venues where they can be staged. It passed by a party-line vote of 29 to 6. Republicans, of course, in favor. And they sent it on to the House. It would put drag performances in the same category as escort services, nude modeling studios, and theaters that show erotic films. It would also ban drag shows on public property or anywhere that they can be viewed by people under the age of 18. They define drag as the use of clothes, makeup, or accessories to present as a different gender than the one the person was assigned at birth. And a performance is classified as 
Singing, dancing, lip syncing, or another type of entertainment for an audience of two or more in a manner intended to appeal to the prurient interest. All right. Did you know Seems that? It's like they thought it all out. Yeah, right? Can you believe this? In the past year, there were 141 protests and threats against drag events. A total of 315 anti-queer bills were introduced in states around the nation, most of them directed at transgender and non-binary people, and more than 150 new bills have already been introduced this year. So it, it, it looks like that even if a trans person was you know, fully transitioned and they wouldn't be able to, like, sing karaoke in a bar they wouldn't be able to sing in a church choir perform in a school play because they're dressed in drag under this law oh yeah yeah that's true right yeah. it's just ridiculous you, this, this is what you have this is what arkansas has time to fucking do uh, well what else do they do one of the arkansas? poorest fucking states in the country that's... and this is what they're fucking worried about are fucking drag shows drives me fucking crazy yeah they need a drag invasion <laughs> they really fucking do i swear but who wants to go to arkansas that's what i'm saying <laughs> like you know, so those 12 people are idiots. You know, let them be idiots. But anyway, back to looking into my briefs, we bring none other than Pope Frankie into the picture. Oh, this fucking guy. He was interviewed by the Associated Press, and he actually criticized laws that criminalize homosexuality as unjust, saying that God loves all his children just as they are, and called on Catholic bishops who support the laws to welcome queer people into the church. But, he said, being homosexual is a crime. Isn't, isn't a crime. It's not a crime. Yes, but it's a sin. Fine, but first let's distinguish between a sin and a crime. So it's taken, what, 2,000 years for a pope to say homosexuality is not a crime, It'll probably take another 2,000 years before they say it's not a sin. You think it's going to last another 2,000 years? Anything's possible. I don't know. I don't even know if we're going to last another 2,000 years, I, you know? That's what I mean. I don't think we are. But he said that... Um, and if we do, it won't be with a church. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, yeah. going, they're going down fast, I think. But he said the Catholic Church should be working to stop the passage of these laws. He goes, uh, we are all children of God and God loves us as we are and for the strength that each of us fights for our dignity. It's like he doesn't know America at all. Well, as I was going to bring up, in the United States, more than a dozen states... Still have anti-sodomy laws on the books, even though the Supreme Court declared them unconstitutional. I miss sodomy. And there are 67 countries or jurisdictions worldwide that still criminalize yeah. same-sex uh, sexual activity, yeah. 11 of which can impose a death penalty yeah. for it. And also these laws that were ruled unconstitutional in the United States are now being used to justify these other laws, like the don't say gay law in Florida. Right. So, but hey, but thanks for the warm words of recommendation there, Pope Frankie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep him right up with the time. What a nice guy, right? And he's special. <laughs> yeah, he's a special case, okay. Now time for our next segment. Yes, it's time for the Week in Fascism. And this week, we got two stories, both from Florida. Oh, the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, my God. So, in our first Florida story, uh, when you were back in high school, did you ever take any advanced placement courses? You're hilarious. When I was back <laughs> in high school, no. No. Well, first of all, the answer is no. I don't think they had advanced placement courses. Really? The they do now back then. No. Okay. I don't think they did. Okay. They had, you know really smart classes but i don't think they were advanced like advanced placement or for college credit i 
They may have been. I don't. That may have been in another wing. I okay. was in, you know, well, the, the rest of them. In my school district, they had advanced placement classes, and I, in my senior year, I took the AP class in uh, English, which was great. We were basically reading, uh, like you know, at college level, some of the things we were reading and okay. stuff was great. And also. I was in, you know, one of the, what they call, I guess, the HR class back then, was the higher tier of students in social studies. And my teacher had gave, gave me these two history books, which I still have, to take the AP history test, which I ended up not taking. But I read through the books, and they gave you a much more in-depth history of the United States okay. than what we're normally taught. Normally, we just get facts, you know, figures and stuff like that, when this happened. Right. These history books just got into the whole mix and grind of everything. Everything of what was going on back then. All right. We were really good. So that's what advanced placement English class, uh, advanced placement classes are like generally. Well, across the nation, 60, uh, 60 high schools have been doing a pilot program of an African American studies advanced placement class. Okay. In which it would be a more in-depth study of African American history. Oh, they don't like that. Well, yes, the Department of Education in Florida rejected the program in a letter to SAT test administrators, saying that the program was, quote, inexplicably contrary to Florida law and significantly lacks educational value. Okay. How is it against the law? Because, well, they did pass a law that you cannot teach critical race theory. So now they're saying, oh, what, that, that this program is delving in critical race theory? So, so that, Or so because it might make white people feel bad about their history? Listen, any... Any any study of blacks America is going to make white people feel bad, no matter how shallow it goes. White people, you know, white people are going to feel bad. But it's too bad. That's our fucking history. That's what history is. The Germans learned about the Holocaust. We need to learn about our Holocaust here. It's you know, I I don't even think it's so much the slavery thing, although it is. It's even after that the whole civil rights movement. It's about how the system was set up afterwards to control. And to keep down and, and to make sure that the right people advance. That they don't want to know. They don't, no. they don't want, because that's too immediately close. I mean, back in my day, what we learned about black history was first slaves arrived in 1619 in Jamestown. Okay. Uh, slavery was an issue in the Civil War. They were freed after the Civil War. They went, th- they went through Reconstruction, and then you didn't hear about black history again until the Civil Rights era of the 1960s. Right. That was basically the school curriculum on black history back then right so the first half of the 20th century doesn't exist yeah and that's the because a lot of the schools back then were more concentrated on the immigration and all the immigrants who came over to the united states yeah you know trying to celebrate that diversity and the white diversity of americans back there i guess right right we didn't like the irish too much but you know better than the alternatives <laughs> Yeah. So they said. So they have this AP program, and they're going to say it has no educational value, and that's just bullshit. You just don't want people to know their history. You don't want the education that it provides. Yeah. I remember when the smart kids were always the ones to look up to that you were jealous of, that you you know wished you could be like right. the smart kids and the jocks and the hot guys. <laughs> but the smart kids. You know, you wanted to, you wanted, you wanted it to, what it looked like, when it looked like it came really easy to them, you wanted it to be like that for you and why you. Right. So, so you admired the smart, I admired the smart kids. 
And it seems like stupidity is, or ignorance, like there's a willful ignorance. There's a, a drive to be uneducated. I call it the arrogance of, of, uh, of ignorance. That yeah, people are proud yeah. of what they don't know. I don't understand that shift when it happened, why it happened, but it's weird to me that it's like having an education is a minus. It's a bad thing. It's, yeah. You're not supposed to be, you, know, you don't want to be too smart. And I always thought that that It was the attitude at school was something that you had to get through instead of it being something that you experienced, you know? Well, that was it for me too. I mean, I just got through school. Um, I wasn't into it at all, but it just seemed to me like the, like the, there's a, there's been a shift where now the ignorance is valued. Yeah, and I don't I don't understand that. I know because you keep the people ignorant and the powerful will stay powerful. Yeah, yeah, and all of those tropes are true. Yep. But I don't understand how they manage to convince so much of the population that how they stand up without shame and say. That the education is, or an education, now almost any education, right. is bad for you. Yeah, unless it's an education that has God in it. Then well, that, it's okay. That's what that's what's happening, is kids are going away to college and they're coming back saying, you know what I found out, you know what I'm hearing, you know what I, you know the other side of that argument, you know, and uh, people don't like that. No, they don't. So that's one story for the week in fascism. Right. The second story is also from Florida. Okay. Governor DeSantis, he signed a law that requires every book available to students oh, God. must be selected by a school district employee who holds a valid educational media specialist certificate. In most cases, the school librarian. However, teachers recently in Manatee County in Florida are being told to make their classroom libraries, any books that they have in their classrooms, and any other unvetted books inaccessible to students or risk or risk prosecution. One teacher wrote on Facebook, my heart is broken for Florida students today as I am forced to pack up my classroom library. All Manatee teachers must remove all books that have not been vetted by the state or risk being charged with a third-degree felony and losing our license. This applies to both public and government charter schools. That's the kind of threat they're under right now. That's exactly what we were just saying. They, they, they got to get the education out of the education system. And, and this whole thing, so basically, they students cannot read any books in the school library, in the classroom libraries, unless the book has been vetted. Now, the problem is these schools are not arranged or set up to do this kind of vetting. You're thinking about if you're relying on a school librarian to do it, that's going to take God knows how long. And a lot of these, and what they have for, for training on doing some of this is now unbelievable. But as a result, I mean, here's this is one thing. Materials prepared for an upcoming Manatee County School Board meeting included a 21-point list of procedures to ensure that classroom libraries comply with the new rules. As a result, one teacher reported being forced to take Sneezy the Snowman and Dragons Love Tacos off the shelves pending review. Other teachers are telling their students not to bring in unvetted books from home. And they're also, with the with the training on, on vetting these books, they're telling librarians to err on the side of caution and consider whether you as an adult would be comfortable reading the material in person in a public meeting. I just gobsmacked. It's anti-book. It's anti-intellectual. It's anti-science. It's anti-everything. It's yeah. anti-reading. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Right? And this is happening in 21st century America. Well, it's happening in Florida. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it is Florida. Ironically enough, January twenty third to twenty seventh is Literacy Week in Florida. Okay. <laughs> 
other notes I found here, only about 50% of students in, Ma in Manatee County are reading at their grade level. Okay, I'm not surprised. They've also removed several books from school libraries because they simply because they contain queer characters or themes. One book that was removed was And Tango Makes Three, which is the true story of two male penguins who lived in the Central Park Zoo. They built a nest together, and after the zookeeper provided them with an egg, they raised an adopted child penguin, which was called Tango. There's no sexual content in the book. No. But they removed it from this library anyway. And it's spreading in Florida, because a principal sent this note in another county called Duval County in Florida. He wrote, We are being asked to restrict classroom libraries. Sadly, you will need to remove student access. I will be the one with a felony if we are found in violation. I wish I was making this all up. Well, we wish you were making it all up too. But And this is the guy who wants to run for president. He's got good ideas. You got like this. Get rid of the books. You get rid of the books, get rid of the gays, get rid of the blacks. Yeah, 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 Don't yeah. talk about them. No mention of them. You know? Let's just pretend we're in 1950s Florida. It can't last. It, it can't last. I hope not. I fucking hope not. It scares the shit out of me. Why? Old as you are? Yeah. New York as you are? Yeah. You worried about what's going on in the school district down in Florida? Yeah. Because that guy may come up here and run the whole show? Because that shit can happen anywhere. Do you know what happened? Back here in New York, years ago in Long Island, my high school, no, it wasn't my high school, it was Island Tree School District. They had a student newspaper... And they printed a whole section on abortion, and the school confiscated the paper. Okay. And eventually, I've heard about this. Yeah. And eventually, the court ruled against the school district, saying right. they, they were wrong to do that. So, this shit can happen here. It's not about it happening here. It's about happening to any effect that it's going, going to affect my life before I'm dead. <laughs> That's what you're concerned about. Yeah. <laughs> That's it right now. You're not concerned about what happens after you go. No, this is the glory of not having children or <laughs> heirs. Or what about your nieces and nephews? My nieces and nephews are my they are my sisters and brothers' issue. What about all your students? My students have parents. What? But you can't be concerned about their futures because uh, you're not uh, a blood I'm relation? I'm, I'm concerned. It's just that I refuse to get riled up about Florida being Floridian. They're so stupid. They're just stupid. But what's to say DeSantis, God forbid, wins the presidency in 2024 and he instructs the Department of Educ the National Department of Education to do the same thing? Can the president do that unilaterally without Congress? Well, as long as he has the backing of uh, his party in Congress. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, is there a check on DeSantis as governor the same as there is would be as DeSantis? The legislature president? there is dominated by Republicans. Oh, so there you go. It's so they're basically just rubber stamping. It's him. the local vote. It comes back to vote all the time, every time. We'll see. Anyway, should we move on to our next segment then? I'm here for you. <laughs> Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. And what did you watch this week? Last night, I watched an hour and a half documentary on Ella Fitzgerald. Really? On what channel was this? Or what service? Uh, Netflix, I believe. Really? What was the name of it? Ella Fitzgerald documentary. There's a bunch of Ella Fitzgerald content out. <laughs> That's really narrowing it down. Now. It was a documentary, so it was like archival footage and, you know, but her story. I have an idea for a musical in my head. Okay. That's that Ella plays a huge part in. It's a story about pretty much about Ella. Okay. And if I told you who else was in it, who the other character was, you would be able to figure out the plot and what I want to do. Louis Armstrong. 
I'm sorry? Is it Louis Armstrong? It's not. Okay, so it's not what I'm thinking of. <laughs> um, but it's. It, I love her so much. To me, the greatest singer of the 20th century, bar none. One of them. She's definitely in the top for me. She, um, she's just an amazing woman. She was yeah. an amazing person. She did not have it easy. She was in a reform school. She should... <laughs> She showed up at the Apollo Theater to dance, and the act before her was a dance act. Okay. And they were really, really good. <laughs> so she decided, I can't follow that and dance, So, but I got to do something. So she went out and sang. Smart idea. Uh, uh, but she was, she, her, she never even thought about being a singer. She didn't want to be a singer. It wasn't, the, it wasn't in the plan to yeah. be a dancer. Wow. Yeah. I so, yeah, that, that was fun. I like that. It oh, was cool. Uh, I'm going to look uh, for that. Yeah, Ella. I love Ella. Any RuPaul this week? Oh, uh, yes. There was RuPaul. There's, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're in season 15, 16, 112. I don't know. <laughs> the, the latest, the newest season, uh, Friday night. Okay. They're, ha they're having a new one, um, funnily enough, because you know how they go to all the countries? Yeah. Is it Norway, Finland, Ru RuPaul's Drag Race, Finland, or... Okay, one of those Nordic countries. That's coming next. Okay. That's the new, like, debut premiere. Wow. All blonde people. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a... Not, <laughs> well, no, 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 not a spot of pigment <laughs> in the bunch. Just... Just white. Just white. Just white. <laughs> one whiter than the next. Um... Yeah, but you know those boys can be hot. So we'll take a look. See okay, what, take a look. See, see if they do it in English. I bet they do, right? I'm they, sure they, they do. Do it in English. I, I don't know. I I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, they, they they do speak Finnish. Have you been watching RuPaul's new game show, Lingo? I have not. No, no. I'm surprised. And I mean, I you're such a big RuPaul fan. I do love him as a host. Uh, it's Wordle, isn't it? No, it's well, it's called Lingo, but I think it's based on something on like Wordle. Wordle. Yeah. yeah, but they uh, call it Lingo. Lingo. Where 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 is it? What what time is? it? I have no idea. Or? I've just seen the commercials for it. I have no idea what channel it's on. Channel four. So I one of the commercials. Check networks, yeah. Okay, I'll take a look. Yeah, let us know how that is. Jumbo. Lingo. 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 What about you? What are you watching? This past week, we watched that 90s show on Netflix. Oh, okay. Which, of course, is the sequel series to that 70s show. All right. Is Ashton Kutcher in it? He makes an appearance in it. Almost basically all the cast makes an appearance in it one time or another. Okay. Except for Danny Masterson. I don't know who that is. Danny Masterson, he played Hyde. Where is he? He had the frizzy hair and the sunglasses all uh, the time. Okay, is he dead? No, no, he's not dead. He's been, he was charged with rape, oh. and he went through a trial, and, it was a mis and it, I think it was a hung jury or a mistrial was declared. Okay. So he's still facing rape allegations. So he's busy. So yeah, so he wasn't on this show I at all. I can't make the filming. But they had basically everyone else on Topher Grace. Um, I never watched it. Oh, you didn't? A funny show. It was just a stupid funny show yeah. that you would just like throw on and you couldn't help but laugh. It's yeah. a good show. But of course the, star the stars of this one now are the parents played by Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp. With all the two Red original, and yeah. Those were the original parents. Yep and they're great. The premise of this now is that their son's daughter comes to live with them for the summer. Comes to visit and stay for the summer. Okay. And she makes friends with some of the local kids in the neighborhood and everything. So they could do the same thing again. In the, yeah. In the basically yeah. yeah. Okay. But one of the funniest bits in the show is they bring back Wilmer Valderrama okay. as Fez. Okay. If you don't know, Fez was a foreign exchange student from some unknown country. Right. And it was a weird, bizarre character. Yeah. Unknown accent. 
and they bring him back. He's a hottie. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. Wilmer Fowler-Armand yeah. is very much a hottie. They bring him back. He has this ridiculous wig, and his character now runs a chain of hair salons called Chez Fez. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's fantastic. He was one of the funniest things on the show. They even bring back Tommy Chong on the show, who came on later on in the series. Okay. He even appears on the show. It's it's worth a look. It's like I said, it's it's fluff, it's entertainment, it doesn't is it, suck. Is it a Netflix original? Because it sounds like it's yeah. spent in Netflix. Yeah, Netflix, yeah, they money. they produced all this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, sir. So I hope I'm hoping they bring it back for a second season because it was entertaining. The the uh Pat uh NPH series didn't get picked Uncoupled. Up. I was very disappointed by that when I heard that Uncoupled was not renewed. I liked it, but I get it. I was like, I guess, middle age, upper class, gay white men are no longer the topic du jour in today's entertainment medium, you know? Well, you know, maybe it just was a little too... Um, gay? No, because it was no more gay than Will and Grace. I know, exactly. And no more sexual than Sex in the City. Yeah, I'd say Sex in the City was probably even more sexual. Right. I don't know. I, so, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't understand it, except that, you know, that's it's the wrong demographic, I guess, that they don't want to aim for anymore. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. Otherwise, I just don't understand it. Well, maybe NPH just wants too much money. Oh, that's possible too. But somebody's got to pay for those. But I think he. I mean, he was probably a producer on the show. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I doubt that was an issue. You know, and it's not like he's hurting for money exactly. He seems to be doing very well for himself. The NPHs. Yeah, yeah they're doing well. Right, the the the, the Harris Burkers. <laughs> yes, the Harris Burkers. <laughs> I love them. And of course, I'm sure you've heard by now that the Oscar nominations came out. I heard some about it. Like, I, I'll. You want to hear who the best picture nominees are? Uh, sure. All right. I know it's everything somewhere all the time. Yeah, it's, uh, well, that's one of them. Everything, air, everywhere, all at once. Got yeah. eleven nominations in total. The biggest of the night, I heard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But in, in, that was for best picture. Also nominated for Best Picture was All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay. Avatar, The Way of Water. Was All Quiet on the Western Front uh, the book? I am assuming it's based on the original book, yeah. You couldn't use that title if it wasn't, right? Like, I'm thinking... I'm assuming. I mean, it was a movie previously, but I'm assuming this is probably based on the original book, just like the original movie was. Okay. World War Two, right, that is? Uh, no, it's World War One. The All Quiet on the Western Front, World yep. War One. Right. World War One. And like I said, Avatar, The Way of Water was not nominated. I have no interest in the Avatar films. Have you ever seen the first one? No. Me me either. I just have no interest in them whatsoever. No. No, Don't appeal to me. Next up was The Banshees of Inisherin. Oh, really? Yes. Nominated for Best Picture, which I'm very happy about. Wow. Good movie. Really good movie. Plus, Gleason, I I can never remember his freaking first name. We gotta find it now. Sean? Uh, Supporting actor. Brendan Gleason. Brendan. Brendan. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, as was Barry Keegan, he was who played the young kid in the movie. Supporting? Oh, the young kid was good. He was nominated also. Um, and that young kid I was reading about him, he grew up in seven foster homes. over. Like, he grew up in like, over seven years. He was in 13 foster homes. Holy shit. Yeah. And he somehow got out of all that and 
Well, who's that's... been nominated for an Oscar. You age out of that. Right? Yeah, he was nominated for and so was Brendan Gleeson for Best Supporting Actor. I can't believe Brendan Gleeson landed as Supporting Actor. I was surprised he didn't get lead as well, because Colin Farrell was nominated for Best Lead Actor. Was he? Yes, he was nominated. Because that really is their story. It's, there's it's two, the both of them, yes. But I think maybe men. because, I don't know, maybe, maybe because Colin Farrell has more screen time, possibly. I don't think he does, even. If he does, I think it's not that much more, you know? Uh, okay, it but, just seems like I know it's it seems like an odd choice, arbitrary weirdness. So so the movie the, the movie picked up a couple of nominations, at least three. Uh, I forget exactly how many it got. It got and also the woman who played uh, Colin Farrell's sister. Okay, she was nominated for best supporting actress. Supporting actress. Yep. Okay. Also nominated for best picture was Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann film. Okay, how was that? I have not seen it. Okay. I know the lead guy, Austin Butler, I believe his name is, he's been like rocking up the awards for the role. Okay. I understand he's pretty annoying because he won't stop speaking like Elvis. Oh, really? I haven't heard that. <laughs> he was on Saturday Night Live a few weeks ago. He was actually pretty funny on that. Okay. Did he sound like Elvis? Not that I recall, no. Did they do an Elvis thing? They must have done an Elvis thing. They may have. I came in like, I missed like the first half hour, so I don't know if they did or not. Okay. Anyway, as you said before, Everything Everywhere All at Once is nominated. The Steven Spielberg film The Fablemans is also nominated. Also the film Tar was nominated. What if they got eight nominations? Oh, it's ten. I think. Ten? Ten. Also nominated was Top Gun Maverick. Come on. Which is not surprising because it was the biggest moneymaker of the year. A movie called Triangle of Sadness. And then lastly, a film called Women Talking. Okay. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten films. Ten films. Ten films. That's a lot. That's crazy. Right? That's a lot. Any other awards you want to hear about in the nominations? <laughs> no. No? That was enough no. for you? Yeah. I mean, unless Martin McDonough got nominated uh, director or writer. I'm not interested. Uh, let me look. I don't think so. I didn't hear his name mentioned, but let me check. Let me scroll through this. Writing. Adapted screenplay? No. No. Original screenplay? Yeah. Yes. He was nominated. Okay. What yes. about director? Director. That's a good showing for that movie. That really is. That's so far five nominations. Directing. Nominee. Martin McDonough. Six nominations. That's pretty damn good, I'll tell you. Yeah. That really is. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's the story on the Oscars. Okay. Should we move on then to our next segment? If there is one. Of course there is. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Okay. Yes, it's time once again for Stupid People. Stupid People. And this time it's none other than J.K. Rowling. Oh. <laughs> you know what I got to say about J.K. Rowling? Okay. Even though she's kind of gross. Okay. I love her not give a fuckedness about the whole thing. Oh, obviously, yeah. She don't give a fuck. She's got the money. Well, unfortunately, that kind of thinking got Mark Hamill in trouble as part of this story. Okay, tell me the story. <laughs> what happened was, first, there was this uh, woman named India Willoughby. She is Britain's first transgender national TV news broadcaster and the first trans co-host of an all-women's talk show. And on January 22nd, she tweeted, I'm more of a woman than J.K. Rowling will ever be. Uh-oh. So Rowling replied, uh -oh. citation needed. Okay. So that pissed people off. Then today, Rowling tweeted this. Men defining what a woman is, what women should and shouldn't fear, what women should and shouldn't say, what rights women should be fine with giving up, and of course, 
What constitutes real misogyny? Get a bloody mirror. That's real misogyny looking right back at you. Of course, when she's talking about men, she's also meaning the transgender women right. that she's talking about. It's like, can't you keep your fucking mouth shut? She don't have I guess to. she has enough money now. She don't have you know? to. She's she just, you're a children's book author spouting this shit. You're disgusting. She's a, she's she's a multi-multi-millionaire who don't give a fuck what you think about her opinions. Gotta respect that. Uh, well, Mark Hamill did. He did a like on her tweet. <laughs> and people went apeshit about that on Mark Hamill. To the point that Mark Hamill had to issue a statement. Hey, I only liked the statement because she was speaking her truth to power. She's like, I am fully supportive of equality for everyone. I am fully supportive of the queer community. <laughs> so he had to issue the statement to calm things down. Okay. Which is ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. She's ridiculous. She's ridiculous. She's disgusting. Uh, she's divisive. And, and the fact that she doesn't care that she is all these things yeah. makes it even worse. Well, she's got an awareness of it. She knows what her opinions, how her opinions land. She don't care. No. No, she don't. She don't care. She got the money. It's not No skin off her nose. <coughs> but it just kills me when I see people still spending money on Harry Potter stuff, but I'm just like, do you know what you're supporting? I don't, I know. You know? And like I said before, and people are shocked. I've never seen a single movie or read a single page. I saw them all, and Harry I won't Potter. even watch them when they're being rerun on a channel. I just, I won't anymore. Sorry. No, she's already got that much. I know. She's already got it all. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's just disappointing, you know? It always is disappointing, but, you know, she is who she is. I know. It just, uh, J.K. Rowling... We say, Stupid! You're so stupid! You're so fucking stupid. Julie Andrews, take us away! Whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. So good. So good. Yes, it's time once again for five faves. Oh, I don't think I like this one. You don't like this one? I don't think I did. Oh, I had fun with this one. What was it? To name your five favorite hoaxes. I figured after oh. the, the never-ending news of George Santos and all his lies, I figured discussing famous hoaxes would be a good topic for five hoaxes. faves. Hoaxes. Yeah, so do you have any... Favorite hoaxes? Uh, well, I love. Uh, um, uh, I gotta give credit to the current ones. Which one? Your your election lie thing, the big lie. Well, I wouldn't know. Sounds like call those. That was a hoax. That was more like disinformation campaigns. Isn't that what a hoax is? I guess. Yeah. Okay, I guess I can go I with mean, that. I mean, it's a hoax. It's, it's yeah, it's a lie, and you're we're selling it to you, and you're buying it. But politicians seem to do that all the time. Uh, not to see even specific to <laughs> January sixth and everything. But, but but well, the January sixth thing is is probably you know the hoax is that they were sightseeing and a peaceful collection of people, or that he didn't tell them to be there, or that they were there peacefully, or that it was their right to do what they did. That's a hoax. I don't buy it. <laughs> Neither do I. But it's people buy it and they believe it and it's a hoax. Okay. All right. I'll go with that. I'm going January 6th. Okay. My first favorite hoax is one of the first ones I ever learned about when I was a kid. The hoax of the Cardiff Giants. Okay. Have you ever heard this story? No. Cardiff is Scotland. This was in Cardiff, oh, New York, Wales. actually. Wales. Cardiff, Cardiff is... Cardiff may be the 
The capital of Wales. I don't know. But anyway, in Cardiff, New York, these in 1869, these workers were digging a well behind a barn, and they found what they believe was a petrified man of gigantic size. And it was being called the Cardiff Giant. And people actually believe that it was an actual man who had been petrified. And what was it? It was a hoax deliberately set up by a man named George Hull. He was an atheist, and he got into an argument with a reverend at a Methodist church, uh, and it was specifically about a section of Genesis which, which states that there were giants who once lived on the earth. Okay. So Hull decided he was going to prove how easily he, that people could be fooled. So he had this whole thing set up. He had this sculpture made out of gypsum stone and had it buried in the property. Oh, God. <laughs> It became so famous, P.T. Barnum tried to buy from him. Oh, God. They wouldn't sell it. So P.T. Barnum made a plaster replica of it and said that he had the original and the other guy had a fake. Oh, okay. <laughs> P.T. Barnum got to make a buck. Right? Every minute. But eventually the guy who did all this, he admitted that it was a hoax and why he did it. And the statue is still around today. It now resides in the Farmer's Museum in Cooperstown, New York. Where else would it be? Where else? <laughs> So what's your next favorite hoax? So seems that there was this guy, I think in Florida, okay. who had these shoes. <laughs> okay. And they were like 30-pound shoes. Okay. And the shoe made an imprint in the sand that looked like this ginormous, you know, reptilian style it had three toes. <laughs> okay. And he would go out at night and walk the beach with these shoes. <laughs> And as he's as he was in Florida, and he maybe he moved or whatever he went, he would go from beach to beach, and he would leave these trails of this <laughs> strange, horrible footprint. Oh my god! It, he did it for forty years. Holy shit! Forty years he did. He, he and nobody knew what it was. And I think right before he died, well, right after he died, his saw something. He came. He he came clean. Oh wow! And the picture of the a picture of the shoes. <laughs> I got to look at that story. I, 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 I love the that. bonus material. That's somebody who just like, <laughs> you know, he... 40 was, years he spent it doing was, it. But, and it was all for him. Because once he tells the next Anybody, guy... It, it ruins it. Gone. It ruins it. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, I again, I got to give props to that. That's commitment. That's creativity. It's fucking evil genius. Yes, it is. Right there. It's awesome. <laughs> Next on my list are the Hitler Diaries. Oh, come on. You They're not a hoax. Them? That was a hoax. They're not a hoax. It was a hoax. Hitler had diaries. <laughs> but back in, what was this, 1983, I guess, there was this German news magazine called Stern, and they bought the rights and published, supposedly, selections from the Hitler Diaries. And they even had it verified by this uh, historian named Hugh Trevor Roper, who initially said the diaries were real. But then when they went to a press conference, he's like, uh, no, they're not real. Uh, okay. <laughs> Back to you in the studio. Right? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Do you think Hitler was reflective enough to keep a diary? Uh, he, uh... I think he was ego-based enough. To... He was definitely ego-based and narcissistic enough, but I don't think he was, like, self-reflective enough to keep a diary. Well, was that what the diary showed? Was self-reflection and... and I, I don't and know. I don't know what... I don't know growth? what it said in the diaries. I never bothered to look at... I remember when this came out, even back then when I was... This is when I was in my 20s. 
And even then, I was like, oh, that's bullshit. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what's next on your list? Sort of along the same vein as, as your first one is sort of a b- upstate New York with a backyard and a tree. The Golden Plates. Oh, Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. The story of Joseph Smith finding the Golden Plates. Do you think that's a hoax? I think it's a hoax. I got to say, I think it's a hoax. What's amazing to me is that there's only one person alive at a time that sees the golden plates. Yes. And that person after person after person has I, I re- I've read the story of the golden plates and it's just like, oh, come on. It's a ridiculous thing. It's a ridiculous thing. I, I don't, there's, a, there's something that I, I don't understand how people fell for that. Because that's a hoax. That's a hoax right there. The so, same way the people fell for a baby being born to a virgin. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, if you want to believe, you're, you're going to believe. Large, you know? It's all, it's all based on so some sort of uh, fable. Yep. Uh, but but that that Joseph Smith pulled off a hoax. Uh, I know. <laughs> and got a hell of a choir. But yeah, 19th century L. Ron Hubbard of it's his day. Ju- <laughs> It's just an amazing thing that people bought into that enough to follow him across the country, enough to... Well, not to follow him across the country, because he got killed. Well, he got killed, right. <laughs> they followed Brigham Young. Brigham Young. So, yeah, that's my thing. That's uh, number three, Joseph Smith. The Golden Plate. <laughs> my next one, I don't know if you saw this, this was a... It was a TV special at the time. Uh, you say what I think you're going to say. It was hosted was by Jonathan Frakes, who played Commander Riker on Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. It was the Alien Autopsy film. Okay. It was supposedly was a film of an alien that they recovered from the Roswell incident okay. back in 1947. Right. And it shows this alien body on this table with its whole center cut open and spread open right, 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 right. and of course it's scratchy and everything the film yeah it was a hoax <laughs> and i see my, my next one when you said a television special that's my next one okay that's the geraldo rivera opening oh the uh, al capone safe yeah, al capone safe yeah <laughs> i love that what's in there condoms like yeah, that was a big, that was a fucking joke more than anything else. Yeah, that sort of landed nowhere. But the guy who made the alien autopsy film, he was swearing that it was real, that there really was one, and that he saw it, but he no longer had it because the film deteriorated. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, film deteriorates. Yes, it does. It doesn't matter, you know. <clears throat> so he admitted he did a stage reconstruction of the actual footage. Somehow, 60 years later, the Zapruda film is still watchable. Yeah, right? Okay, yeah, I, I, but not the alien autopsy Not the film. alien autopsy. God forbid, you know, safeguard that kind of shit. Zapruda's out on a fucking Tuesday with his wife and brat. Oh, my God. But Capone's safe. I remember that special. Everyone was tuned Capone's in to safe. see that yeah. special, and they yeah, open yeah. it up, and it's nothing but debris in there. <laughs> yep. So, what is fourth on your list? That was fourth. That was... Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. That was fourth. My fourth one? Crop circles. Oh. They're a myth, huh? They're, they're a, hoax. a hoax. Well, at least in England they were. These these two guys admitted that during the 70s, they would roam over the English countryside and make these make crop circles. circles. Okay. Yeah. Now, of course, there have been other sightings in other countries, but most people think they're man-made by now. They don't think that they're real. Okay. <laughs> 
what do you think? Do you think crop circles are real? No, I mean yes. I see. I have seen pictures of crop circles. Okay. So are they real? Yes. Were they created by, by alien spacecraft? Alien spacecraft. Uh, I'm not prepared to say yes. I'm more inclined to say no. Okay. But you know they seem a little too kind of like I. Perfect. Like, those are perfect fucking circles. Yes. Yeah, of course. Nothing's perfect. Nothing makes... Up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't get a guy out there in the middle of the night with a fucking... I don't think any circular aircraft can make a perfect circle like that. No, I'm thinking... Even one from Earth. I'm there thinking... there was a circular aircraft. The like. guy the guy who, went, who said he went out and made them... Yeah. Can't you picture somebody in a fucking cornfield with a lawnmower trying to make a fucking circle and then a circle inside of a circle and then a circle inside of a circle? I mean, um, doing it probably at night, although... Farmland. Well, a lot of them they did on farmlands, so they would yeah. use tools to knock them down yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. No, a it's a lot of work. These guys, work. I guess these two guys were written really dedicated. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not like the guy in Florida. What did what he do? With the lizard feet. Yeah, he put the he put the shoes on, went to the beach at midnight, went for a really long walk, and uh, giggled the fuck out of himself for 40 years. Yes. People trying to guess what the shit was. <laughs> I love that. That's fucking genius. <laughs> what is your fifth and final favorite hoax? I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. This seems like it should be more obvious. I have a good one. You know, you. What's your good mine's one? Long Island based. Oh, Long Island based hoax. Yes. Huh. What is it? The Amityville Horror. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. That's a hoax. That's a good one. Yeah. For everyone who doesn't know the full story, back in like seventy four, I think it was yeah. this young man named Ronald DeFeo. Basically, took a shotgun and killed six members of his family in the house. And this was in Amityville on Long Island. As part of his insanity defense, he claimed that he was hearing voices, whatever. Well, he was convicted, sent to jail. He actually died about two years ago. About a year later, this family moved in called the Lutzes. I think it was a husband and wife and three kids. The movie only had two kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, we had two. And supposedly 28 days after moving moving into the house, they ran out of the house terrified because of their paranormal experiences there. And of course, a book was written called The Amityville Horror. It later became a film with James Brolin and then remade and sequels were made and everything. But basically, there are so many inconsistencies in the book and other retellings and other statements that they made later that they they were like, well, most of it is true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Of course, there were also claims that the house was built on native, native burial, burial grounds. Ground. Yeah, and they discovered that wasn't true either. And it's currently occupied. The house is occupied. People have been living in it throughout. Like, They've actually remodeled like those windows that we, right. like the eyes of the house yeah, always yeah, looked yeah. like. They took out those windows. I even heard they turned around the house too. Well, it sat sideways on the property. Thank, it sat lengthwise. It was a very yeah. long and kind of narrow. Yeah piece of property wasn't it all it's like nothing at all you see in that movie that whole big yard yeah, and yeah, nothing no, like nothing that. like that the dock it did have a dock but the dock was like you can open the back door and step out onto the dock it was like right the yeah it was there. a canal there, it was basically. a canal it's on a canal yep and it sat sideways on a long uh, on a rectangular plot so that those windows those iconic windows in the attic with the with the chimney uh faced the street 
Yep. And that would have been the side of the house. Yeah. And it faced the street and, and now they I think they changed they that changed and they moved it. it. But people have been living in it, I think, nonstop. When I, I was sixteen has ever been unoccupied. When I was sixteen years old, I worked at a factory over on Route One Ten here in Farmingdale called Durodyne. And there was a supervisor there, I forget his name. He was in his probably mid to late twenties back then. He lived across the street from that house. Okay. He said, Nothing ever happened. It's all bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Goes Nothing ever happened. It's a tightly packed niche. And there are other people living there now. They don't report it. Hey, I'm not reporting yeah. anything going on. Right. So, yeah. It was, you know... It's a hell of a movie. It's a it's a good movie. The book was the good. The book was good. The book scared the crappy. I, mean, I remember as a teenager, we would pile into a car. Yeah. Let's go to the Amityville Horror House. Yeah, we, we all did it. <laughs> it's amazing that through from September to June, Ocean Avenue was not just backed up. Yeah. With high school seniors, uh, juniors and seniors with their licenses <laughs> driving past the house. Yep. And always disappointed because the house is a house in a neighborhood where you could see your neighbor like it, it was a narrow road. It was, yeah. It was, it, it's not the house that it looks like. It no. Is. No, it doesn't. It's not what you think it looks like anymore. So, the point is that it... You it, would drive right by it now. Probably. You would drive right by it. And the people who live in the neighboring houses would certainly be aware of the shit that they described in this book and yeah. in the movie. Right? But yeah, no, yeah, that's a good one. That's that's a good one. Yeah, that's I thought a, that was a good one. That's a hoax. Yeah, that's a good one. So have you come up with a final with one a yet? final one. Uh, a hoax pulled on the public. You know what? I'm going to rest back easy. I'm going to go with the uh, Orson Welles thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you lazy I'm bastard. I'm going to sit back on this end. This is knowledge <laughs> that I now have. So the play at the theater that I'm working at is called Panic on the Front Page. Talk about a shameless plug. And it, it, <laughs> it makes the argument that there was no panic, that it was not Orson Welles and his company that made the hoax. Right. It was the newspapers who created the whole panic, and that that that, that is the hoax, is that the... The radio broadcast never caused what the newspapers accused the radio broadcast of causing, but right. everybody believed that it happened. Of course, in 1939, it took news two days to get from New York to Philadelphia. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't the kind of time it is now. And radio was new, and according to... uh the play, according to the newspapers, an upstart that needed to be sort of put into place. It couldn't. It couldn't do what it did. I mean, the program itself. If you ever listened to it, it's brilliant. Because it starts off like a, like you're listening to some band dance program on like, right. that they used to broadcast back then. Like you know, from this hall, right. we have so and so's band playing for the next hour, and that's what this starts like. And then throughout it, you're getting all these news interruptions and to the point that the news takes over the broadcast it's ri- it's brilliantly done i can see how and that's the thing people were tuning in midway if they missed the beginning of the show where they heard like this is a radio program blah 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 but here's my thing orson wells did a show every week yeah. on cbs radio at seven o'clock on tuesday whenever the fuck it was yeah it was and it happened on his regularly scheduled program date time location yeah. like like you tuned into the Orson Welles show right whatever it was called I don't know what it was called yeah but you, you the Mercury Theater presents or whatever whatever it was on CBS radio but you knew that uh, Sunday Sunday nights was Ed Sullivan Ed yeah. Sullivan was on on Sunday nights yeah. there was something that was interrupting the Ed Sullivan show but uh, let's say like you tuned in late to the Orson Welles show and you turn the radio on and all of a sudden you're catching the tail end of a news report about some 
well, yeah. spacecraft yeah. crashing somewhere in New Jersey. That's 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 logical. But anywhere during that hour where you tune in and you hear a dance band, and then maybe you say, "Oh, what's Austin doing?" Well, but you also maybe maybe they're just playing it because of what's going on. And then you know, and then well, no, because that then gets rid of the whole idea of having the dance band in the first place. Yes. Yeah. And then it was Orson Welles who was the reporter. Right. He played the reporter for this. Uh, so if you're tuning into the Orson Welles show and you, you hear a dance it was band. His voice. And then you hear Orson Welles uh, dictating the news about a Martian invasion on the country. It just seems like... But it just shows how easily people can be manipulated sometimes, you know? Yeah, but who who manipulated what is the question yeah. that this play asks. Okay. And the, the answer seems to be what it implies is that the newspapers decided that they wanted to create problems for the radio. Okay. And so they printed all of these stories about how the broadcast negatively affected Americans right. from coast to coast. Okay. Okay. And then, of course, a lot of them were the Hearst movies. Right. Which, which well, the, the Hearst papers, yeah. which led directly to... And it's a joke, of course. You can't do it something like this without the joke about how I wish there was something I could do to get back at William Randolph Hearst. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's sitting there. It's, it's, it's sitting, sitting there. Yeah, you have to, you have to take a swing right? at that. So, yeah, because I, I didn't know about this until I saw this play. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing it on and Friday. It, it, it's, uh, it makes an interesting point. It's, you know, I don't, whether it's true or not, I, maybe the play is a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> the hell do I know? We'll find out. I liked it. <laughs> it was pretty cool. That brings us to the conclusion of our five faves. Oh, that was that was really harder than it needed to be. <laughs> I thought it was fun. Anyway, we move on to our next segment. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time once again for the grumpy old game and gripe of the week. And what gripe do you have this week, Tommy? Everything hurts all the time. Okay. That's my gripe. That's your gripe. Everything hurts all the time. And what are you doing about that? No, you don't get to ask that question. Why not? Because this is not a therapy session. But this you is, brought it up. You asked me what my gripe was. Are you taking any remedial measures to alleviate everything that hurts? My gripe is everything hurts all the time. I am not seeking advice. <laughs> Or, or you just want to put it out to the world. I, you just want to that get everything right. hurts. Everything hurts all the time, and that's my gripe. Okay, okay. that's okay. it. You asked me what it was, and I'm not asking you to solve it for me. I just need <laughs> to gripe about it. Everything hurts all the time. <laughs> that's my gripe. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for respecting my limits. <laughs> And Patrick, yes. What is your undoubtedly brilliant gripe this week? My gripe is about my former dermatologist. Oh, I hate former dermatologists. Yeah. I left this dermatologist because I thought she and her staff were somewhat casual and nonchalant about how they were treating me as a patient. Okay, that's not good. And they diagnosed me at the time with a skin condition. It was a growth. And they said it had to be surgically removed. And I was like, I'm having anxiety attacks. I just had a heart attack a couple of years ago with major surgery. And you're telling me I need some surgery for this skin growth. Well, this was right at the beginning of COVID. What was it? Well, hold on. Where was it? In a nether region. In a nether region. 
you had a growth on a nether region. Yes. And they want to go in there and cut it out. Yes. And you said... Nothing, but I eventually stopped going to that dermatologist. This past year, I started going to a new dermatologist because I had had a problem with eczema on my one hand. I remember that. And there are gross. Great office, by the way. The, the medical staff there, everyone there, fan freaking tastic. Give, right give, give a plug. Give a plug. Oh, I wish I knew their name right now. Damn it. Oh. I know, I know, I'm, sh- I'm shameful. You're I'll, shameful. I'll write a good review on Facebook for them. Do that. But anyway, they were treating me for my eczema, then they scheduled me and Steven for a full body scan and well, I hate that. review. Yeah, I don't like that. It was no big deal, overall and stuff. Gross. But while I was there, I told them about this skin growth and what this other dermatologist was telling me and what they said they were going to do. And the dermatologist at this office looked at me like I had two heads. She's like, it looks like a skin tag. Wait a minute, you got naked in front of a she dermatologist? Yes. And her doctor's assistant, who's also a woman. Okay. Was that- I haven't gotten a colonoscopy because I don't want anybody to see my hind. <laughs> You're probably overdue for a call. Oh, I'm six years overdue what for a What are you waiting for? I don't want anybody to see my oh, hiding. I just told you. Go get a colonoscopy. Go ahead. What's next? But anyway, like I said, this new dermatologist said it looks like a skin tag. and they Oh, get out of here. And they basically applied the cold or whatever, yeah, the cold yeah, yeah, treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And said it should fall off in a few weeks. They're like, I don't know who this other dermatologist was, but you don't need any kind of surgery. And I was like, thank God. Thank God I didn't do anything about it back then. I hate skin tags. Skin tags is so gross. Right? And they're so, like, nobody tells you when you're young. That this is going to happen to you? Yeah. But yeah, your skin gets gross. Yeah, it does. It Disgusting and gross. It's part of aging. Yeah. But I was just pissed that you know, for basically two years, I was living thinking I had this condition. I had to be surgically removed. From another region. Yeah. And then I had this dermatologist. I, when I found this out, I was on a high, like you wouldn't believe, all day long. So wait, they froze your nether region? <laughs> this one particular area of my nether region, yes. So let me ask a question. Yes. Was it on... One of the netherest of regions, or was it like in the neighborhood? Like, like uh, it was the ball sack. Okay, oh, it was on the ball sack. <laughs> oh my god, they had to freeze your ball sack. Just one little spot on it. Well, how big could your ball sack be? I mean, I, you'd I, be surprised. Uh, I'm a low hanger. Oh <laughs> uh, wow! So your ball sack got frozen. So I got the Prince Harry book, and I understand that in the Prince Harry book, eventually, his yeah, he got frostbite on his gets penis. Frostbite. Yep, from an Arctic expedition he did. He talked about that, I think, on Stephen Colbert. Or he something. said he forgot his cock pillow or his cock. What was it? I forget what he called it. Yeah, uh, I like that book. Yeah, it's a good book. I'm not too far into it yet, but it's okay. a good book. I like that kid. Me too. Me too. I like his straightforwardness. He seems very sympathetic. He was on the co- he was on the cover of People magazine. <sighs> He's just so fuckable. <laughs> he yeah, really he's, he's, is. Yeah. Oh I, don't, I, don't, I don't go in for the beards. I, I generally don't either. I'm not a beard person. And and he's a redhead, which... Which, which is definitely not my type. Doesn't really attract me. But I saw this picture of him on the cover of People, and I was like, I tap that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I'll take some royalty. <laughs> What's next? We did. Quench. We're at the end of the We're show. Done. We're, We're done. done. We did the We've quench. covered everything. So I guess we want to say thank you to Stephen Prendergast, my husband and producer. I'm not sure for why, but we'll thank him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 
just, you know, yeah. Yeah. And just to remind you once again that you can find all our episodes plus our bonus material at our website, www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com. And you can follow us on our daily postings on Facebook and Twitter. And I'm trying to think of anything else. Oh, and this weekend, if you're not doing anything, come down to see Panic on the Front Page yeah, at the yeah, Matter yeah. Studio Theater in Lindenhurst yeah, on Wellwood Avenue. Stephen and I and a couple of friends will be there on Friday night. So come down and enjoy a good show. Support local theater. That's That's true. Right? But not... Yeah, okay. What? 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 No, I don't want to be a cunty. Oh, why change now? Because it's... We're live on the air. You know, people might... You know, both of the people listening might get upset. Oh, fuck you too. I don't want to say. I don't want to say. So so let's... Give me my... Give me my habits. Yes, we're now at the end, so we will have to say... Have a good night. Have a good week. Have a good life. And we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches.